Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they was pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about well, totes? Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. It's me. I'm back. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight here on the Atheist Roundtable. This supposedly weekly live call-in show about atheism and agnosticism and belief and non-belief and a whole bunch of other things that will hopefully continue to flow from your host's stream of consciousness. Hopefully, everything will go well this week now that your host has finally, after, seriously, after three years of being on Blog Talk Radio, may have actually figured out what in the world those updates that come in his emails are all about and maybe he should actually read one from once for once in his life. My name is Andrew Garber, and I'm your host. Please help boost my beaten-down self-esteem by sending me your Internet hugs by liking the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable on Facebook. Send me your friend requests. And most importantly, if you really want to keep me out of therapy, then go and give me your oh-so-coveted five-star review on iTunes. I have to apologize because I really should pay attention when Blog Talk Radio actually tells me a thing is happening on Blog Talk Radio. I really should pay attention. What was happening, Talk Radio did an upgrade, and they wanted to uh, promote their upgrades to even their lowly free hosts like me. I don't pay Blog Talk Radio a dime to be able to do my show. That's why I'm on late on Sunday evenings, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time every Sunday. That's when this show goes live. And to be a part of that show, when it is live, you call 347-838-8342. You call those numbers and then you get to be part of the show. When it's live, really live, like it is tonight, I didn't read the information. I didn't know that they were going to test, to, to beta test some of their hi-fi services that they had just rolled out. That's why uh, in the in the, in the uh, few calls that I was able to do, or in the few shows I was able to do while they were doing that, the audio quality really went up. And if you're listening to this show, you'll notice that the audio quality has probably gone back down again. So uh, that's because the, the beta test is over and uh, those hi-fi uh, features are going to be reserved for their paying pro accounts, and I don't have one of those. So I'm going to, I'm going to bow to the pressure and set up a Patreon account for the Atheist Roundtable. Now listen to me very carefully. Uh, it, 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 I don't expect everybody to just run to the Patreon account and pledge all of your money, but if you feel so compelled, please do go to patreon.com slash atheistroundtable. Find me there. And if you want to, then you can donate like a dollar a show if you want. Now, i got to tell you, tonight right now, I haven't even finished setting up the account, okay? So don't run. 
don't run. Right? I'll maybe make another announcement about that along the way. But that's why I haven't been able to do a show in a while. That's why that other show was such was, was the audio quality was such crap was because I thought I could just use my laptop like I use Skype, like I use Google Hangouts, and not use a headset. And I was wrong. I have to be using a headset. I got a headset. I pulled a headset out of the uh, out of the desk drawer, and I was going to try that tonight. But all those premium features have gone away for the time being. Okay. Here's what I wanted to talk about for three weeks now. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about why it is sometimes atheists hear from believers something to the effect of, "What happened to you? What?" tragedy struck you? Did a believer hurt you? Were you hurt by a believer? What was it that made, that hurt you so deeply that made you turn your back away from God, away from faith, away from belief? What was it that hurt you so deeply that you became an atheist? I don't think I know an atheist who was driven to atheism by some kind of harm. I really don't. I don't think that that's a thing that actually happens. I don't think that even sometimes uh, when people talk about the harm that religion does, I don't think that that is a big uh, factor in why someone becomes an atheist. Now, I will say that the problem of evil is indeed a big problem. It's a big problem for those people who believe in the tri-omni God, the God that is all good, all powerful, and all knowing. If you believe in that all good, all powerful, all knowing God, then it's really hard to reconcile the existence of that God with the existence of evil in this world, especially if that God is, is able to do something, anything, to affect anything in this world. It's really hard to reconcile that God. And the problem with evil is a big problem. It's it's something that really sticks in the side of believers, keeps them up at night. Problem of evil itself, I don't think, is the kind of harm that believers are talking about when they say, what happened to you that made you become an atheist. I don't think it's just the intellectual pondering of the problem of evil that they're referring to. And when I hear atheists talk about harm, when I hear atheists talk about the bad things that religion does to people, generally I hear atheists talk about harm done not to atheists but to believers. I hear things like uh, snake handling, right? And all these guys who are dying from handling these poisonous snakes. Atheists don't die playing with poisonous snakes thinking that there's a sky deity that's going to save them if they are bitten. That's not a cause of death for atheists. It's a cause of death for people who believe that passage in Mark, right? It's a cause of death for people who believe that the gospel is the inerrant word of God, and that if Jesus said it, then they believe it. I'm often reminded of the story 
that Seth Andrews of the Thinking Atheist podcast, and if you're not listening to the Thinking Atheist podcast, what are you doing listening to my show? Go listen to the Thinking Atheist. Seth Andrews will often say that a couple of the things that turned his head when he was still a believer was the attacks on 9-11 and the death of a prominent Christian singer guy. I don't know. I, I, I struggle with his name. I, 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 I don't know. There was a tragedy on 9-11. There was a tragedy with the death of a young Christian singer guy. And these tragedies didn't happen directly to Seth. I mean, Seth probably, like the rest of us, knows a person who knows a person who knows a person who was affected directly by the World Trade Center tragedy. But um, it wasn't something that directly affected him. You know, this the singer guy who died, Seth may have played his albums on the Christian radio station, but it wasn't a person that he'd known. It wasn't a person that he ever shook his hand. It was some distant, off person, right? And my point is, is that these events didn't happen in Seth's close circle. But I think that for many people, the, the attacks on 9-11, the death of, 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 of a prominent Christian figure could certainly be the cause of an eyebrow being raised for the first time. And yet, while this may be the catalyst, while this may be the spark that ignites the flame, it certainly isn't the flame itself. It certainly isn't the entire journey of apostasy. It may be the kick, but it, it's certainly not why the ashes form, why the ashes of what used to be faith fall to the ground. I think, perhaps, this idea that there must be some harm, this must be some bad thing that has happened to an atheist to cause the atheist to lose their faith, I think this idea may possibly be, it may possibly be another example of how believers project their insecurities onto atheists. And what I mean by that is that I think that it is far more likely for someone to be hurt and then become a believer. I think it is far more likely for someone to be hurt and then become a believer than for someone themselves to be personally hurt and then become an atheist. We've all been to a funeral, right, that's been a part of a religious ceremony, haven't we? We've all gone to those funerals, and funerals, much like weddings, have a script, have a pre-made script. And while, while we may have learned that weddings should be sculpted and edited and rewritten for the individual couple, we haven't really come to the same place for funerals. And so funerals tend to be very, in my experience anyway, they tend to be very cookie-cutter-like ceremonies. They seem to have all the same words, all the same uh, parts to them, and they all tend to have a section dedicated to reminding people that unless they have accepted Jesus into their hearts, then they're going 
to not be able to depart of eternal bliss. I remember my aunts passed, my mother's sisters, both passed. Both of them had very, very Catholic funerals. Both times, it was exactly the same ceremony. You could almost switch one out for the other. There were maybe three, four, or five sentences in the entire one-hour ceremony in which something personal about my aunt was said. Either aunt or aunt. The rest of it was all pre-made script. And you better believe that at some point, if there was a spot where it said, and if you haven't accepted Jesus today, be sure you're right with Jesus today because you never know when you might end up dead just like this person. You never know when you might be dead just like this person. This is at a funeral when people are mourning when people are vulnerable, when people are at when, when people aren't using their faculty because they're mourning, because they've suffered tragedy. This is the time. You know it's the time. This is the time when when pastors, priests, rabbis, all of them try to make sure that you know that you can get into heaven if you believe in Jesus. This happens at every funeral, every funeral. And I remember when my son went to a funeral. My son was maybe four or five at the time. And someone came up to him and said, it's okay, little boy. Grandma is now in heaven. I remember him coming to me later that evening, not ceremony, later that evening, asking me, what is heaven? Is grandma really in heaven? I had to tell him that I did not believe that Grandma was really in heaven. That Grandma was gone. We were never, ever going to see her again. I don't think that it's... And I I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I don't think that telling children that their loved ones are off in some faraway fantasy land, that is real help to children. Nor do I think it is appropriate, ever appropriate, to tell children that there is a place of eternal torment waiting for them if they do not do or think exactly the way we tell them to think right now. I don't think it's ever appropriate to tell a child that hell exists. More than that, I think there is a there's a discussion in the atheist circles about whether or not the doctrine of hell qualifies as emotional abuse. I don't know. I think there are good arguments, good, solid arguments, for why the doctrine of hell is indeed emotional abuse. On the other hand, I have a very big problem telling parents what they can and can't believe and what they can and cannot teach their children about what they believe. Just think, there's got to be some way to help uh, insulate children from this horrible doctrine. I got a bit of a dry mouth tonight. I don't know what that's about. What's up with that? Hell 
I think. I think there's a really good argument for considering teaching young children that hell is real. I think there's a really good argument for thinking that that is emotional abuse. I certainly think it's harmful. I certainly think that it is harmful to teach children that hell is real. And sometimes I think that anyone who has ever succumbed to Pascal's wager, anyone who ever has ever touted out Pascal's wager, telling the atheist, the believer is telling the atheist when the believer uses Pascal's wager, that they've succumbed to the fear of hell, that the fear of hell so traumatized them that they would rather pretend that they believe rather than face the the possibility of going to hell. It wouldn't matter whether or not they really believed it or if they really could convince themselves. It doesn't matter. The threat of hell is terrifying. They are willing to do whatever mental gymnastics it takes to make sure they're God into letting them in to the nice place. Think that there's a really strong argument for that to be the result of emotional abuse. I don't think that the, that the threat of hellfire is harmless. And I think that so often that is the harm. That is the harm that causes believers to be believers. When believers say, what harm happened to you, Mr. Atheist, to turn you into an atheist? The harm that happened to them was they were taught about hell. When a believer uses Pascal's wager, it's because they have succumbed to the fear of hell in order to make them try to convince themselves that they believe that God is real. This is how believers project their own personal insecurities of their faith. I think resides in an insecurity. Believers betray that by asking us, what harm came to you to make you an atheist? They had betray that by saying, what, uh, by, by saying something like Pascal's wages, what if you're wrong? I think that if we're going to have good, productive conversations with believers, we do ourselves a favor by acknowledging that these questions come from a deep, deep sense harm that has been inflicted on the believers, pushing them onto us. Look, when a believer meets an atheist, this is a person that they think has succumbed to the harm, right? They think they've succumbed to the harm. Why are you atheists so angry at God? Is it because God hurt you? It must be because God hurt you. Because God has hurt me. God has hurt me by threatening me with hellfire. God has hurt me by never actually being there when I pray. God has hurt me by just not existing. I'm afraid when I meet the atheist 
when, when the believer meets the atheists, they become afraid because they see someone who they think has succumbed to that harm. How do they fix that harm? They fix it with Pascal's wager. What if I'm wrong? And they fix it with that real simple band-aid. But it's enough, isn't it, to keep them thinking that they found a good reason for them to continue to believe. I wish that people talked to believers. I wish that more atheists would recognize believers as victims. I think we should treat believers in our discussions more as victims. And I, I don't mean that we should pity them. I don't mean that we should give them pity because nothing's more uh, condescending than, than, than pity. But I think that compassion and understanding go a long way. And I think that when we show that we understand that kind of pain, we understand that kind of harm, um, that goes a long way. And um, I guess I'm talking to the people, to the atheists, who were believers at one time. Uh, I was a really strong believer. And so I think I have a bit more of a grasp on uh, on that kind of fear that the, that the idea of hell can hold on someone than maybe someone who never believed in hell would ever have. You know, I think that maybe it might be really hard for someone who's never, ever believed in hell to understand what it's like to be awake at night just thinking about whether or not you've prayed hard enough uh, to get yourself into heaven should you die in your sleep tonight, you know. Um, I think that it's it, it's hard to uh, to identify with that kind of, perpetual fear uh, that's being reinforced each and every Sunday as you go to church. I, I just think that that's um, I think that's probably something hard to imagine. Atheists aren't atheists because of harm. We empathize with the kind of harm that's done, sure. But I don't think that it's ever the reason why we're atheists. Believers tend to be the victims of harm. They are always the victims of harm. They are the first people to be harmed by religion, by faith, by believing things that aren't true. These are the people who are harmed. And when they ask us this, they acknowledge that they are the ones being harmed. They're projecting onto us their own insecurities. And they acknowledge that they're being harmed. We, as atheists, I think, go a long way to acknowledge that. Well, I'm really glad I actually got to be able to do this show tonight. I'm really glad I actually got to be able to talk about this topic, wanting to do this show for an awfully long time. Uh, and, look, I, 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 I want to close the, 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 the show tonight with, um, with a couple of things. First of all, first of all, um, there are two conferences coming up. 
that you guys all need to know about. First of all, there was the Carolina Free Thought Convention. Oh, boy, going to have to go and find the Carolina Free Thought Convention here on Facebook while I'm talking. I didn't have that pulled up, and I really suck. There's a Carolina Free Thought Convention. Go and buy your tickets for that. Uh, all kinds of amazing, awesome people are going to be there, including Bobby C. from No Religion Required and uh, Callie Wright from the Gaithiest Manifesto. Those two people alone are worth the price of a ticket, so go and get that. There is the uh, PastaCon in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania coming up. Uh, Atheist PA is the uh, website for that one, I'm pretty sure. The Barroom Atheist will be at PastaCon this year, so worth the price of the ticket just to go see the Barroom Atheist there. You definitely want to go see that um, and go see them at PastaCon. So uh, uh, do those things. And send me friend requests on Facebook and like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable. As soon as I get Patreon going on, I will share my link there. Um, I'll, I'll I'll see if I can't set up some good rewards for y'all, although it's probably just going to be a lot of stroking your ego and being all really nifty because um, I really don't have a whole lot of other ways to to say thank you to anyone who is silly enough to, uh, I mean, generous enough to go and, and support this show. Um, uh, once I reach a certain goal, then I'll definitely upgrade to the full version of Blog Talk Radio so you'll know where the money is going. It's going to be going to Blog Talk Radio so I can get uh, better connections, better feeds, better quality, better all that good stuff. And uh, that's that, that's what I'm going to do it for. Uh, because now that I've had that small little glimpse of how good it could be, now I'm just dying to have it back again. So um, you'll, uh, I hope you'll consider uh, throwing it in there. Anyway, uh, I want to cut it off here. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate all all the support that everyone has shown this show and allowing me to have a show for, like, what, three years here on Blog Talk Radio now. It's been great. Enjoyed every minute of it. Till next week, take care of yourselves. God isn't here. We are. Good night. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of Atheists humanists and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God is here. We are. Take care of yourselves.